welcome to the Super 90s Brothers. I am your host, Brennan Pointer. Along with me is Adam J. Pitzler. How's it going, buddy? With you as always, it's Adam. Doing really well, man, on a fine Wednesday morning. How are you? Oh, I, I'm okay. It's, it's kind of it's dreary here in Spokane, and, you know, it's just a, it's another a recurring day. theme. I ask you how it's going, and you remind me of, like, how awful it is to live in Spokane. It's not awful to live in Spokane. It's just dreary right now. It's just overcast. All right. You, I'm pretty so, sure the word you used was awful, but it's fine. You know, whatever. <laughs> but, but it's not awful. It's okay. It's just an awful morning. It's actually kind of I nice. just like to, I just like to revel in the fact that I escaped Spokane. It makes me feel like 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 a Harriet Tubman of sorts. Um, I'm trying to lure others out of there. You know, do, do, my freedom yeah, rail. Do you ever feel like you you I mean you got out of there? You got out of Spokane, but then you moved like basically a block away from Oakland, like murder capital of the, of the United States. So, I'm not a block away from Oakland. It's like a 45-minute drive. It's like any <laughs> big <laughs> It's like any big metro area. There's like, you know, ghettos and there's nice areas. I live in the suburbs. I'm just joking. I I, I love I love uh I love the Bay Area. It's a it's a it's a great place. So And we love Oakland too for all of us for all of our Oakland fans. We we, Actually, we do love we do love Oakland. And we feel very bad for you that you're going to be losing your football team. Yeah, we do. And and if you if you are mad that we just talk shit about Oakland, please email the show. <laughs> Absolutely. And speaking of that, we um we got our first our first uh, listener email. Oh. I'm very I'm, I'm very yeah I'm very excited about this. So it says, "Dear Super Nineties Brothers, I've been listening to your show for a long time now. That's very nice of you." I was hoping you guys could do a show on the TV show, Knott's Landing. Love, not Brennan, Brennan's mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, well Knott's Landing uh, did the eight. Yeah, yeah, like Knott's Landing was like, like nineteen seventy six or something. It started in nineteen seventy nine and ended in um, actually nineteen ninety three. So you know, it's topical. But like, um, I you know, not planning this is not a show that I really watched at all. Like, I remember it like my parents watching it, um, but that's it, it, you know it kind of predated um, like Nano Two and I think it was I'm pretty sure it was Aaron Aaron Spelling did not plan in. Um and then was it? I, I think so. I I, uh, I don't have the producer credits up right in front of me, but uh, I'm pretty sure it's Aaron Aaron Spelling. And, uh, I don't know, David Jacobs, whoever that is. Yeah, David Jacobs. Yeah, I've got it up right now. Nicolette Sheridan was in it. That's, like, the only name I know on here. My, my like, beginning and end knowledge of Not Landing was that it had this really awful intro theme song. with, And it made, like, the theme song was such a repellent for young people. Like, if you if you turn on that show and you watch, like, the first five seconds of, like, the intro and the theme song, it was like, this is like old, this screams old, boring people. Like, that's what I remember <laughs> thinking when I was like 10. And I was like, I'm never watching this. In fact, I remember, you, I remember you said like talking crap about the theme song to people, even though I'd never seen the show. That's literally all I know about. Hey, it says uh, Alex Baldwin was in it for 40 episodes. For 40 episodes? Alex Baldwin was in it for 40 episodes? Holy, sh- holy cow. Well, shit. This, this damn series ran for 14 years, I guess. I mean, 79 to 93. Who the hell was watching it in 1993? I, I, anyway. I, my, my mom, apparently. 
So uh, I, I know I'm afraid we have to disappoint your mom here. I don't know shit about this show. <laughs> but it, yeah, it was on for a, a long ass time. <laughs> uh, Never watched well, it. Yeah, I, I probably watched it in passing accidentally. So uh, well, let's uh, let's move on. Um, okay, okay. Well, um, we we'd like to take this opportunity to thank all of our awesome fans um, at, who have been supporting the show, watching the show. Um, we really appreciate when you guys share our posts on Facebook and Twitter and, and all the other forms of social media. It says, like, hey, guys, this looks cool. Check it out. And uh, we do appreciate that. So I just thought I'd comment on a few people that actually were kind enough to share our show in the last week. This was our Are You Afraid of the Dark episode. Um, Patrick nope. after Buffalo. Oh, yes, Go ahead. What were you nope. saying, Brandon? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. You're right. It was afraid of, Are You Afraid of the Dark. Uh, Brandon Morikal, Sarah Paragoy, Autumn, Leah Duke, my friend, Chastity Yarbrough, Amy Bunker, uh, Emily Grosspitch. That's a fun name. Emily Grosspitch. I'll leave that alone because she is a fan. Jennifer Clark, Amy Buss, Adam J. Pittler shared the show. I know that guy. Uh, <laughs> and let's see. And, the, so, and then a, a few people that reacted, Andrea Titus Edmonds, Tim Watson, Samantha Taylor. We really appreciate you guys. Keep it up and uh, let us know how you feel. You can always interact with us on social media. Please comment. Please email us like Brennan's mom just did. Or you can email the show at, what's the email again, Brennan? It is super90s, spelled out phonetically, uh, brothers at gmail.com. Yeah, that's great. So anyway, uh, we do appreciate it, and you guys do fuel us, so keep it up. And let us know if there's any shows that you'd like reviewed, and we will consider them. Yeah, and I also wanted to make give a shout out to uh, Adam Little. He actually like left a, a comment on our on one of our uh, posts saying that he actually has a tattoo of a mermaid on his arm that he named after Petunia from uh, Pete and Pete. And I thought that was pretty cool as well. Yeah, so, that is cool. Except he didn't show us the picture, so we're uh, kind of. Well, I, mean, I think this is, I, I think that was you, kind you of, get a uh, shout out. You get a shout-out, but you don't get an internet fist bump yet, Adam Little. Well, I, I, thought it was kind then, of I, I thought it was kind of creepy when you asked if you could see a pig. So, <laughs> is that a little, a little intrusive, Adam, don't you think? Well, not for the internet, no. Are you kidding? You're like two <laughs> clicks away from, like, donkey porn on the internet. I think I can see the <laughs> guy's, like, arm tattoo. I'm just joking. Uh, well, let's, uh, let's, start, let's, let's start the show off. Um, this week, we teased it last week, obviously. We're going to be doing a great 90s show, started in the 80s, but, you know, finished off in the 90s, and uh, that show is Married with Children. Oh! Uh, I think it's, uh, I believe it's one of your favorite shows, right, Adam? It's like, it may be my all-time favorite. Like, like, you know when you're, you know how your favorite show kind of changes over time, but then there's like a few that you keep going back to, like The Simpsons, like... And like um, Sopranos and Breaking Bad, like those are like top shows. But the show that maybe groomed me from a young man, groomed my sense of humor my whole life, Married with Children, is maybe my all-time favorite show. It's like it's a show that I can still watch today. It's a show that I could have watched 30 years ago, and it's still just as funny to me today as it was 30 years ago. There's something about the characters and the dynamics and the humor that it just doesn't seem to get stale to me. I find them all just hilarious. Um, it's it's a great show. We've got a lot to cover today. I don't want to um, get too much into anything. What are you? What are your sort of uh, best highlight impressions of the show? You know, I used to watch this show. It was always on late late night on Fox. Uh, one thing I remember 
because my parents, they gave me a TV, but let me have a TV in my bedroom, like, from a super young age, like, when I was, like, oh! probably, probably, like, three years old, and I had cable in my room, too. And wow. so, like... You had cable in your room at three years old? In, like, 1987? Probably, like, more like 1989 is when I finally got cable. I, in 1987, I had my TV with my Nintendo and a VCR, so I could, like, watch, like, like HBO movies, like, on a VHS. Uh, That's awesome. But uh, but once, like, the 90s hit, like, I had cable in my bedroom, and uh, I was able to I was able to watch um, all late-night shows. Like, I watched a lot of Nick at Night. I watched a lot of uh, Fox. Like, Fox had all the best shows on at night, and one of those shows happened to be Married with Children. <laughs> I, probably, I don't think my parents knew that I was watching Married with Children at late. For some reason, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I was, like, a night owl. Like, I would stay up to, like, like 11.30 every night, 12 o'clock, and, like, watching like late night TV. <laughs> it molded you into the impressive man you are today, I might add. Exactly. I, and that, that makes me think that, you know, maybe TVs aren't that bad for kids. <laughs> yeah, as long as they're watching Nick at Night and really wholesome shows like Married with Children. Yeah, I just remember the show very well. I watched it all the time. I mean, I watched it. It was on, it was on late night all the time on Fox. Yeah, um, so back to my point. It's uh, we're, we're just getting a brief overview of the show. This was this was not your father's sitcom. Like it, like every other sitcom on TV was lame. I'll, let's be real. Like the other sitcoms of the time, they were all so lame and wholesome. It was like Growing Pains and The Waltons, and you know, um, a little bit later was like Family Matters and stuff like that. But not this show. This show was like we're going to do the complete opposite. Like we're going to have like the most dysfunctional, most like character flawed family ever. They all, none of them ever talk about how they love each other. None of them ever do nice things for each other. (laughs) They're all (laughs) entirely self-motivated and they will, they will cut anybody's throat to get what they want. And what they want can be like, like so small, like, like the value of a nickel, you know what I mean? Like, cause they're just poor and they don't have, there's miserable people and they'll do anything to get something. And it's, for whatever reason, that show with this cast and the, the dynamics of these actors was just gold. It was just gold, don't you think? It's the, I think the rapport between the actors and like, it was, it, it's, it's just a great, like they just, they knew when to like stop for, you know, a last break and like it was, and it was so dry and so, and they didn't react. It was, it was such a, it was such a good, yeah, it's such a good show. I mean, it's such a, all the actors in it have all gone on to be, well, except for one of them, have all kind of gone to be, you know, stars of themselves. Like, they're, it's great. I mean, Christine, Christina Applegate is, you know, still, yeah, um, still we'll, around we'll get today. So yeah, we'll, we'll get, to, get to her. Yeah. Um, but, but you're right. It, great show they all they all really bought into like the theme and the show really the show did a really good job of having its own brand you know what i mean like when you mm-hmm. watched Marriage Children, you knew exactly what you were in for you knew exactly the kind of jokes you knew exactly where the story would go pretty much but it didn't matter because it was still just so damn funny anyway so we're going to go over some of our we're going to go over the characters and some of our favorite episodes and whatnot so i mean you got to start with you know the linchpin mr hand in his hands al the king four touchdowns at polk high bundy 
maybe <laughs> one of maybe the best TV dad of all time. Dare I say? <laughs> uh, I, I have to have a list. I have to have a list in front of TV dads, but he's definitely uh, he's definitely up there. Like okay, so let's go over <laughs> Al. Like he he works. <laughs> he works at this shitty shoe store in the mall, and he makes, like, nobody. He makes, like, less than minimum wage somehow because he, <laughs> he's always having to pay, like, mall fees and stuff. So he makes, like, <laughs> zero money. He hates his job. He hates, hates, hates it. Um, all day long, he has these gigantic, angry, obnoxious, entitled women coming into his shoe store. <laughs> Asking him to like try and cram on like these size five heels on their like size twelve hooves, and those are like jokes he makes commonly. And so like, <laughs> he hates his and, and the the back and forth between him and like the angry women shoe customers is so funny. And it's you know it's it's not even original after a time. It's like the same joke again and again and again just presented a slightly different way, but it, it doesn't matter because it, it's just part of the show and it's part of Al and it's, I, he just always has these funny little one-liners like to give them. He was like the king of like insulting large women. And it's just, I don't know how to, I don't know how to, I don't know how to <laughs> say this, but somehow he was able to do it consistently for year after year after year after year. And you just, nobody else could pull it off. Like you just, nobody else could do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it it really is like I'm I'm reading I'm reading some of his like one-liners that are great. It's just like in every episode it has probably about ten of them in, in it. Like the one I'm reading right now, and I'll, this one example is he, a woman walks into this shoe store and he she says I need shoes, and he his response is blacksmith's right around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like it's. It was just every show, like, had, like, probably 10 to 12 of them. And Ed O'Neill's, like, delivery on all of them is so deadpan, so, like, I'm so miserable in my life, like, that you you really you really believe it. You really believe that, like, Ed O'Neill is, like, this terrible, like, chauvinist pig and, like... But, like, it's not so, just that, though. He, like, hates everything. He, yeah, he doesn't he, just hate, like, large women. He hates his kids. He hates his wife. <laughs> he hates... He hates everything except for, like, football and, like, old westerns with John Wayne and, like, you know, the nudie bar. (laughs) And I don't think he hated – and I think he – well, maybe he hated Buck, too. I'm not sure. Buck the dog. Uh, But, uh, yeah, it's just – but at the same time, like, he was so – he was so lovable at the same time. Like, I don't – I don't know this, like, really sold that character. I mean, I feel like that would have been played by anybody else. It could have – the show could have ended after, like, three seasons. Yeah, there was something about um, Ed O'Neill's, like, sort of delivery and the way he would, the way he was always making this, like, kind of depressed face, you know, in between trips to the nudie bar that just made him so likable. It's like he was just this lovable loser, I guess, is the best way to put it, because he was a complete loser. Like, the family was broke, and he, he couldn't do anything right, really. But you just loved him anyway because, I don't know, he just felt like somebody you could relate to. He was the man's man, and he, I don't know, I, I just love the guy. I love Al Bundy. He's one of my favorite <laughs> characters ever. Here, here's a good quote. So they, they, get this new, uh, they get this new Dodge in one episode, and Al s- says to Peg, Oh, Peg, I'm so happy. I could shake your hand. And Peg goes, Al, it only has two seats. What about the kids? And Al goes, it has a trunk. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so anyway, whenever there was an opportunity to be mean or cruel to anybody, Al would seize that moment. And it's it's some it's you know frankly it's a pillar that I've emulated my own life after. <laughs> You're, it's so true. Like knowing you for as long as I've known you now, like I feel like a lot of things that you you know say are they're little one-liners like that. You've probably been feeling Al Bundy's quotes for a while now. Yeah, I, I don't. I certainly don't try to steal any direct quotes, but definitely his whole theme. I've, I've definitely implemented it in my my life. I think, um, I, think any, I think any chance that you get, like his his thing was like any chance you can get a one liner in like that. That was his. That was Al Bundy's shtick. Like, you know, yeah, he, you're he, right. That is my shtick. That I did totally rip <laughs> that off. <laughs> uh, anyway, but, so Al, Al's a great character. We loved him. Um, but he did have other family members on the show. Do you want to do you want to go over the next one, the wife? Yeah, no, so let's go over Peggy. Um, so Peggy was uh, she was a stay at home mom, and she, you know, she had that big red, like almost like sixty hair. Um, but I, I read something yesterday about her character, and when she came in to do the, uh, when she came to do the like the, to read for it, she came in with the red wig. And her idea was that she was trying to emulate, like, a 60s housewife, but, like, a trashy version of a 60s housewife. And, um, but, yeah, like, Peggy was just, she was, like, I, I, I'm not, like, she was, like, the anti-mom. Like, she she didn't, she didn't yeah. really do anything. She tried to cook, but she never really, but anytime she did do, anything she did, anytime she did cook, like either her kids or her or Al would just make fun of it. Like, but like, but at the same time, she was very like, she would you know tear down Al and like make fun of him and like. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, an episode I watched last night to kind of prep for the show actually was about. And one of the weird things about it was just like she was always like trying to have sex with uh, with Al, but like yeah, Al just like Al just never wanted to reciprocate it like. <laughs> and like, and it would take like, it would take, like in the, in the episode, like, uh, Bud brings in a, uh, brings home a homeless person, homeless girl, and she happens to be like very hot. And the only way that Al will have sex with, with Peggy is by like looking at this girl and being like, it was this, it was, it was so wrong. It was such a wrong episode. But then like that's, but yeah, she was she was great. She was sexy too. Like she was a she's. Katie Siegel's beautiful. Hang on, hang on, hang on. When you say homeless girl, she was like twenty, right? She wasn't like a girl, right? She was twenty. Yeah, she wasn't like she was like not a girl. Okay, she so was she like was, twenty. She was a homeless young adult. <laughs> the way you presented that made it sound so wrong. The, the idea of the show was again not a girl. Well, she wasn't. I mean, she's the I, the premise of the show was that Bud brings home this homeless like this homeless girl who's like and like and he brings her to the house and like and like basically. Al, like, anyways, we're talking about Peggy, but, like, it was just, yeah, she was definitely a woman, but they're all very young. So, like, all, all, all the, like, the girls that ever came in the show, they're all very young. Yeah, they were all, anyway. like, 20, and then they're, they were all, like, 20 years old with their prime. And Anyway, look, back to Peggy. So, back she Peggy, was yeah. talking about how bad, how bad El, Al's feet stunk, how bad his breath stunk, how, you know, bad his fashion was, how bad of a performer he was in bed, yet she was always also trying to get more out of him in bed. 
she couldn't cook. She couldn't. She didn't work. All she ever did was spend Al's money and like sit on the couch and eat bonbons and watch like horrible daytime television that would warp her mind, which she would quickly use to like gain some advantage over Al. <laughs> 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 anyway, Peggy, Peggy was great. She um she really was a good ca- uh, compliment to the show. You know, this show more than a lot of comedies, I think, really did a great job of making the, the women really funny in their own way. Like, Al, mm-hmm. like Peggy was funny in a completely different way than Al, and Kelly was funny in a different way than all of them. And like a lot of comedies, it seems like everybody's trying to go for the same kind of humor again and again and again, because that's like the show's brand. But not exa- I mean, the brand of this show was just that we're this awful, dysfunctional, horrible family. But they all had their own little, you know, wrinkles of that. And, and Peggy, Peggy it, by season two... She got fake breasts, and her hair got huge, and she, she sort of became like this, this sort of odd sex symbol in, in pop culture in a weird way, like early on, even though in the show she was sort of like this despicable leopard print wearing housewife that hated everything. And, but, like, <laughs> so people always wanted Peggy in the show. Like, outside men, other than Al, they always wanted Peggy. Right. So when Peggy, like... So Peggy, like in the first season, I, I haven't watched the first season for a really long time. Was it's, her character it's not different? Good. Was her character different? Yeah, she like tried to cook. She like tried to be warm. She tried to be loving. Basically, the show tried to make it a little more like other shows that were on TV at the time in its first season. Like they were still dysfunctional and they still said inappropriate things, but there was still like this sort of a uh, bottom line wholesomeness that they would try and achieve. And it's like mm-hmm. by season two, they figured out that it just didn't work at all. And they're like, just right. fuck that, honestly. Let's just be raunchy and awful. And we don't need morals at the end of our episodes. And that's, in my opinion, that's when the show got really good. I, most, most like, uh, Married with Children purists will tell you that the first season wasn't that great. But, it, I mean, it steadily got better and better and better. Um, it, inter- interesting note about uh, the character Peggy. When I was reading, um, like, about, like, when they were, when they were casting the show, like who was going to play Al? Who was going to play Peggy? And um, one of the uh, one of the women that they were, they pegged <laughs> pegged for Peggy was uh, Roseanne Barr, and they wanted her to be the wife. And um, and it didn't work out, obviously. And if that would have happened, I feel like it, the show would have been well. I, I wouldn't it would have worked. It wouldn't have worked, but it, you because you could the same way anyway. Because you could believe the, the, I think the good thing about one of the nice things about uh, Married with Children is that like it was it was kind of an unbelievable you know situation like like they kind of they bend rules everywhere like you know like you said like Al was a uh, he worked at a shoe shop like that couldn't have ever supported family and then like but you it was there was, you you wouldn't believe that he hated Roseanne Barr you can't really believe that he actually hates you know, his current wife, like Peggy, uh, Katie Siegel. And I always, and I kind of like that about it. Like, the show comes across as really, really sexist and very, like, misogynist and, like, and that played out, played out well. But any time that ever happened in the show, like, a lot of times, like, someone was there to, like, kind of put Al in his place. And, and especially when that ever happened, like, in front of, like, Peggy. Um, yeah. You know, I, when they did the roast of Roseanne Barr, like, Katie Seagal was there, and she, like, oh. said, she was like, in 1988, Roseanne Barr came out 
and shocked the world with a foul-mouthed, angry housewife that didn't do anything, which, which was the most original thing since I did it the year before on Married with Children. <laughs> I thought that was a really good line. I was like, yeah, you know, Roseanne did kind of try and steal the whole thing. Like, Roseanne was almost like the more family-friendly version of Married with Children, I would say, exactly. or the more normal the more normalized family, like, I had a dysfunctional family, so we liked Married with Children, but, you know, like, who, who the hell knows what normal Christian families watch? I wouldn't right. know. I didn't grow up like one. Yeah, Roseanne was definitely the normal, like, that was a, a more real, like, 90s family that was, like, in middle of America. Like, this family in Married with Children, like, it didn't really exist. <laughs> yeah, like, John Good. John Goodman and the kids were all, like, essentially good characters. In that. I mean, Roseanne was a good character. She just had a lot of attitude, but not, not the people she loved. But in Married with Children, it wasn't like that at all. I mean, we're not talking about Roseanne. But here's a good quote from Al. Don't try to understand women. Women understand women, and they hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, let's, let's move on to Bud. Um, I'll, do, I'll do Bud. Um, and you could, you could do Kelly. Um, Okay, so Bud, perfect. I'm, Bud, Bud was like this little pervy boy. He was the son, and when the show started, I don't know, he could have been, but you know, ten or eleven maybe. And yeah. as the show went on, he just he evolved into this like he was just obsessed with getting girls to sleep with him. That's I mean, that's pretty much the beginning and end of what you need to understand about Bud is that he was obsessed with getting sex from hot girls that never wanted him. Like he was just, he was kind of like his dad in his ineptitude with women, except that he had sort of like this, uh, this unwavering confidence that he would eventually get some girl to like him, you know? And that's what made Bud kind of likable is that he wasn't really miserable. Like Al, he always had this sort of optimism every episode that he, he would figure it out. And he was, he was probably the smartest character of the of the four of them. Like as the show went on, he, you know, he went to college and he would solve the family problems. And pretty much everyone else in the show was just dumb and worthless. So Bud was kind of like the the witty one, but but more than that, it was the fun like pervy teenage boy. And he was always bringing home like these stray girls, like that homeless girl you just talked about. I remember like they adopted like this French foreign exchange student one episode that was played by Mila Jovovich and he <laughs> he was like harassing her the whole time. Mila Jovovich looked so good in that episode, by the way. And uh, there was a, you know he would trick girls on the, like his shtick was he would always try and trick girls that he was like really successful or really buff or really rich or something. He would always have these elaborate schemes. Sort of like season four or five ish, he developed this alter ego called. Do you remember this Grandmaster B? Do you remember this guy? I, I, do, I, I, I vaguely. Okay, well, Grandmaster B came about sort of when uh, late '80s, early '90s rap started getting big, and so Grandmaster B was Bud, and he was all decked out, dressed like Ice Cube, with like all black and sunglasses, and he would like he would hold himself really funny, like rappers do, and and he would use this persona to pick up chicks. And I remember this one line that Bud said that I totally did say in high school. I totally said this to a girl. Um, Bud asked this girl out, and uh, I can't – no, she said, Bud, um, when am I going to see you again? And he said something like, well, go home, go home and wait by the phone, because if I call you and you don't answer, your name's going to the bottom of the list. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Did you, you, you used that in high school? Yeah, I used that in high school. I did. I totally did. I'll tell you the whole story off the air. 
I sat it in front of I sat in front of my friend Landon, and he he died like he because I sat it to this like, to this girl's face, and Landon was right there, and Landon just died. Like, <laughs> stop laughing. Oh gosh. <laughs> anyway, so uh, that was Bud, sort of another lovable loser. He never would get the girls. Like I mean, eventually when he got older, he started going to the nudie bar with his dad. I think he finally did start getting laid like the fi- the last couple of seasons, but not very often. You know, he's mostly unsuccessful. That was funny. Well, I think in the early, so like in the earlier uh, earlier season, part of the seasons, like well, in this kind of transition, the Kelly Bud and Kelly were kind of like they were kind of fringe characters, and then later as a show like that, you know, as a later later seasons, like they became more central characters. They became you know they there would be arcs like about them, like 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 stuff like problems they'd get into or you know stuff like that, and then like Bud would always like have to like. Not Bud, but Al would have to like, like kind of save the day sometimes. Um, yeah. No, um, Al but, would. Like, Al would always come to the rescue. Um, but he'd never be happy about it. <laughs> yeah, but, no, uh, he would always resent them or ground them <laughs> or make them give them money for driving over to pick them up when they were drunk. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, but Kelly, played by um, you know the amazing Christina Applegate, uh, she was. Uh, I think I feel like earlier in the series they kind of made her like a dumb like blonde bimbo like kind of character like she didn't really have much to offer but like as the series went on like she she became a lot more I would say like a lot more like her mom like very like but more like comedic more funny like more like it, I, I, the episodes I watched last night they she was only in them like for maybe three scenes, like, really quick scenes, and they and they just weren't very funny, and she didn't really have, like, good delivery. But, like, I think as she, like, got into the show, like, as like, this series went on, like, she became a lot more funny and, like... But, like, she also was, like, a sex symbol. Like, people love... Christina oh, totally. Applegate. Like, Christina oh, Applegate, man, yeah. like, she was... She was... She was sex in the early 90s. Like, Christina Applegate was it. You know what I mean? Like, as yeah. she got to be, like, 18, oh, my God. she She's still gorgeous. Like, she's still a very attractive woman. But back in the day, when she was, like, young, and, you know, we were, like, you know, I don't know, 10, and we were looking at this, like, 18-year-old blonde, like, goddess, and she was just, oh, my God, she was great. I mean, she totally was kind of, like, to get guys to watch the show. I mean, let's be real. Like, right. yeah. how, she, how she looked. But you're right. As the show got on, she got really funny, too, like, in her own, like, dumb blonde bimbo and she was like the dumbest of all of them she would always she she didn't know how to spell cat i mean we don't we need to go beyond that to explain how dumb she is <laughs> like she she couldn't do anything except get guys you know what i mean and and al yeah. would al would come beat the hell out of any boyfriend that wronged her and uh al would bail her out of all her little problems and she got into acting and modeling and she was always like dumb and stupid and like Bud became her manager as they got older and that was kind of fun because they were always going to these like really corny like little commercial shoots where they'd make her dress up in skimpy little outfits and bark like a dog and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and it, anyway. It, would, it wouldn't surprise me if it, it wouldn't have surprised me if like one of the arcs, episode arcs would have been about like her being convinced to go to like some casting call that was actually like some like porn that was being filmed or something like that. Like that's that's the kind of stuff, problems that she would get into. 
Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't no. think they ever use that. <laughs> Probably maybe not that one specifically, but you're, yeah, you're right. Th- those were kind of the episodes you would do. But um, yeah, let's let's move on to the neighbors, who are also a an actually really big part of the show. Um, first, there was Steve and Marcy, and Marcy. You said earlier that somebody was always around to keep Al in check. Whenever Al would say or do something really inappropriate or offensive to women women, there was somebody there to call him out on it, and all, nine times out of ten, it was Marcy. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't remember Marcy's, Marcy's last name off the top of my head, but she was sort of like this, um, <laughs> Al called her like a chicken. The joke was that she was this flat-chested chicken, because she would <laughs> she would nag at, at everybody like a chicken. Her little, She would put her hands on her hips, and she would bob her little head, and she would nag <laughs> and she'd make these, so there were chicken jokes aplenty, flat-chested jokes aplenty. The actress came out later as a lesbian, yeah. which I found really uh, surprising. I, I thought she played the role really well. You know, she she played this, you know, sort of annoying, naggy housewife. But Marcy had, like, kind of this fun, sexy side, too, that she, w- she was always, like, uh, trying to get into trouble and, and play these fun sex games with her husband, Steve, who was kind of lame. Steve was probably the lamest character on the show. He was sort mm-hmm. of the straight man to everyone else who was crazy. He was always giving, like, real-life advice, real-world advice. Well, after a few seasons, they figured out, this is stupid. We don't want Steve. (laughs) So they made Marcy just, like, get drunk and, like, leave him, and she, like, just came home one night with some new husband named Jefferson. And let's talk about (laughs) Jefferson. Jefferson was great. Uh, What was that guy's name? Was it Ted Uh, McGinley? Ted Ted McGinley, yeah. uh, Yeah, the guy from Revenge of the Nerds. Exactly. He was the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Ted McGinley as Jefferson was a great addition to the show because finally Al had this partner in crime. That's what Al was kind of always missing. He was always missing this friend to go on his little adventures with, to go to the nudie bar, to get into trouble, to scam rich people out of money, to cheat work, to go get tickets to the Cubs game because he lived in Chicago or whatever. But Jefferson was a lot like Al. He didn't really like um, married life very much. Um, he wasn't as vocal about it. Jefferson always has this big fun smile on his face, you know, like, all right, what's next? Let's get into some trouble. And uh, his dynamic with Al and the two of them going on adventures, it just really worked. Yeah, I, I wonder what uh, the producer, like, what, like, I, obviously, Je- uh, not Jefferson, but um, Steve was, like, really boring. Like, I wonder what, like, made them, like, decide to, like, bring, like, Ted McGinley in for, like, to, to be Marcy's husband. Like, I wonder what the thought was there. Because like it, it, I think they it really just realized that, you know, Steve was in the pilot. I mean, Steve and Marcy right. were like the straight-laced neighbors in the pilot. And I guess they figured they, they had made Marcy funny enough and they had never made Steve funny enough. And I think they just evaluated the show as it was, you know, four or five seasons in versus what the pilot was meant to be and said, you know what, we don't – Steve isn't adding to the show what we want. We need some other ingredient to help make this show more fun. And they nailed it. I mean, how often does – how often does a TV show replace a major character and you like the the new person, like, way better? You know what I mean? Like, when does that right. happen? Yeah. Yeah, it was – I mean, I definitely remember him. Like, those, those are the shows that are on TV the most, sort of the, the later um, – I think – I believe uh, Jefferson came in, like, in season four. And, uh, and, and so, like, those are the episodes that they pretty much show on TV all the time. Like, you'll get a random episode – when they show Steve, but yeah, like definitely, I think everybody remembers Ted McGinley as being the other half to Marcia. Um, and that was like when the nineties, that was when the show was the biggest, like 
Um, because I really it really took off like in nineteen like eighty nine ninety um, because the show was going to get canceled um, they were going to cancel the show and then and then something happened um, and we can talk about that um, in a bit actually it's a, it's a good uh, it's a good taking off point um, yeah uh, so yeah so those are all the major characters did I miss anybody is there any other character you want to talk about Buck. Buck the dog. There, there's a couple episodes with uh, Buck the dog um, where he would have like um, inner mon- monologue, and that was uh, that was done by Cheech um, Marin. Um, really? And, yeah. Uh, and I don't remember too much about those episodes, but uh, there was episodes where they had like uh, where he would like say something like where there, I think there was a whole episode where he had like an inner monologue uh, by like. That was something the show did a lot. They always had, like, as the show got more famous, they started doing more, um, um, they started doing more gimmicky kind of stuff in the show, like, episodes in the show. They'd have, like, an episode, like, a three-episode arc, like, that you'd have, you know, you'd have to watch it the next week to find out, like, the, the you know, that was usually, like, a, like at the end of the, at the end of the season is when they'd have, like, hey, those. I don't, I, hey, just FYI, I don't think Cheech was the voice of Buck. I'm on IMDb. And I, maybe he did a, an episode or two, but he definitely wasn't the primary voice of Buck. Just Are you sure? I, I, was looking at a, I was looking at the stuff earlier, and I saw, I was just like, oh. It, okay, here, no, here it is. Here it is. Cheech did three episodes as Buck the dog, but somebody else right. did, like, 54 of them. Okay. Also, like, he, but he just did the voice of it, right? I remember that particularly. Anyways, uh, it doesn't matter. But anyway, just quick fact check. Anyway, um, so did you have any favorite episodes? Mm. Well, I don't uh, really have any, you know, favorite episodes. I want to talk about the one show that like kind of was a launching point was that there's a show called Her Cups Run Us Over. It's a show about Peg. Peg's favorite bra had was being discontinued, and so and so Al had to go to like a lingerie store and like buy all these, like, buy these, he had to go up to Wisconsin and, buy, like, buy these uh, bras for pegs. But what happened, the show was really, it was a very, like, risky show. Like, there's a part of the show is where Al, like, actually tries to, like, he's, like, touching the breasts of, like, an actress in it. Like, he's, like, kind of, like, trying to get the understanding, like, how big her breasts are compared to, uh, Peggy's, and like apparently this really infuriated a woman, and basically called for promoters of like the show to like cancel it, to like stop advertising and stuff like that. And it had the opposite effect. It made everyone start started watching it. Everyone like wanted to watch. Now they wanted to watch this like raunchy comedy. And I watched that episode last night just to kind of get an idea. And it was really raunchy. It was really like, but it was also really funny. Like there was a lot of there was a lot of like the raunchiness, you know, you can get so raunchy, but it was always it was always funny. This but show, was, uh, this show is the best example of balancing raunchy and funny of any show that I can think of. Like, there are so many examples of shows that are just too raunchy, and it's like nobody can watch them. You know what I mean? And there's just there's other shows that try and be like kind of on the cutting edge and still be funny, and they're not nearly cutting edge enough, and they're just not funny and they're lame. You know what I mean? 
this mm-hmm. show, in my opinion, had just the right balance. And I, I'm going to talk about this a little bit when I get to my rant. Uh, and part of it was the timing of the world, you know, in our culture. And I don't know that you could achieve that balance again just based on everything. I mean, and I'll get to that. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm so impressed how this show was able to stay so funny season after season after season. I mean, it's just – honestly, it's, it's pretty much unheard of in a live-action sitcom like that. I can't think of any show that was so funny for so long like that in live-action. Like, it's just, it's just like my favorite sitcom ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my one of my favorite episodes was like season, it was like season two or three, and this was actually Steve was actually still in that. So this was pre Jefferson, and they all decide to go camping in the woods for some reason. And when they when they get, when they get out to the cabin, they get sequestered in this cabin, and all of the women all of the women start. Like cycling, start their cycles at the same time. You know what I mean? They're like, (laughs) (laughs) and so like the men, like Steve, Bud, and Al are like trapped in this cabin with these these three like furious women, and they're just finding finding every reason under the sun to be mad at them and to boss them around and to hurt them and whatever. And the three and Al and Steve and Bud treat it sort of like this military experience where like the three of them have to stick together and fight the enemy and stay alive. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god it was so fun and like the best line was like you know how women hang out together they, they start their cycles start to form and he goes look and the and the camera like pans over and like marcy peg and kelly are all staring at them and they all look like they want to kill them and like nothing had even happened <laughs> uh, oh man was, you know that's just one example i have a million examples like that just great set up for, for plots in this show. It's just this is my best show ever. So anyway, uh I think I don't I think it's pretty obvious what the yeah. answer to series rewatchability is. I mean we will still watch it. Yeah. I mean, and you know I, I know a lot of people that still watch it too. Like people that liked it then, they still like it. I don't know a lot of people that liked it once and it's like it doesn't seem like it's one of those shows that passed it that it passed the test of time. You know, it it's not a show that yeah. after twenty years you watch it you're like, hey you know what I mean? It like the humor doesn't hold up, whatever. That's not the case. Like it's it's still good, don't you think? Yeah, it's it's still. I mean, it's great. Yeah, I mean, and it's always on. Like I mean, it's in syndication on like TBS and a couple other stations. And I mean, people still watch it, obviously. Um, and you all, like and yeah, and you said that uh, you read something about a potential series reboot. Why don't you talk about that real fast? <laughs> it, it, it was an article that was uh, probably written like in 2015. Apparently. They wanted. They're talking about taking the character of Bud and like kind of just redoing the show with him as like the Al character, and um, but like now he's like you know he's yeah. So it's like the they want to reboot it like that, but like that only ever happened. It's not gonna. I mean, if it did happen, it would be awful. Um, The idea is that they want to like what I read was that the idea is they want to do it and then like bring back the past main characters, like, as, because, like, like sporadically, sporadically, like, because, of course, like, Ed O'Neill and, like, Katie Siegel and Christian Applegate, I mean, they have stuff going on. Like, they don't need to do, like, a Married with Children reboot, like, Bud, like, the, is it Justin, is his name Justin Festiano? No, David Faustino. Uh, David Festiano, like, he doesn't have anything going on. He's, like, one of those childhood stars of, like, the 90s that, like, people always make fun of and, because, 
like on the same you know, level his as problem like, that, his problem is that he's so short. It's hard to cast him anything because he's so short. You know what I mean? Like and I bet he's like five foot five or five foot seven. I mean, he's really really small. Um, yeah, he's, he's very short. And uh, but uh, I, I saw, I, I I saw can, him in I saw him in an episode of X Files once, but I, I really can't remember much else I've ever seen of him. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I could. Yeah, I'm not gonna pull up his IMDb page because he really hasn't. Like, if anything he's been doing has been like cameos, like point, like of himself. <laughs> yeah. Well, so your your little um, that's a good segue into my rant. I haven't done a rant in a while, and I thought this was a good good opportunity. So, as you just said, you don't think this premise would work today, and I'm telling you, there's no chance in hell it would. And you know, I was actually talking about this show specifically with a coworker, I don't know, a month ago, just randomly. And we were, la- we were both laughing about something that Al said. And then we both had a good laugh. And then I, I remember saying something like, man, you could never get away with that today. And he goes, yeah. And then I just got so angry all of a sudden. And I don't know why. I just got so angry. I was like, you know what? That's so bullshit. It's, it's just it's such bullshit. What was funny then is still funny today. It's just now you have all these censors. Like, that's, this is, all it is is humor censorship. That's all that's going on in the world right now. Like, man, I just watched Dave Chappelle's new stand-up. And, like, Chappelle, people are such hypocrites. People love Dave Chappelle, so they just let him say anything. Like, he's, he's making light of Bill Cosby rape, like, the, the entire episode that I watched. And I'm not saying that nobody hated on it. But a lot of people feel like, oh, yeah, Dave Chappelle, keeping it real. People are just so damn sensitive, and they want, they want everything to make them feel good. Like, it's like the culture of making me feel good. It's like, it's like me, me country, me university, me everything. And if there's some show on TV that has absolutely nothing to do with you, and they say something that affects you personally or offends you personally based on your weight or you being dumb or you being a pervert or you being a lazy housewife or whatever, you being a pathetic shoe store salesman, you have these stinky feet, whatever little problem that they have on this fictional show, which is being created for the entertainment of others, if you take personal offense to that, suddenly it's a bad show. Suddenly that show needs to be canceled. And that woman who elevated the show in 1989, she would have gotten the show up and canceled in 2017. Like that's, that's the 20 years difference. You can't. You've seen that meme on, like, Facebook where it's, like, trying to make a, a joke without offending anybody in 2017. And it's like a guy crawling through lasers, you know, like, in traffic. <laughs> that is so how it is. It's, it's just it, – it's, it's so frustrating. As, as, like, I consider myself, like, a writer. I, I want to be a comedy writer. Like, this is what, what I want to do in my life. And you have all these people saying, well, that hurts my feelings, so nobody can make it a joke. Like, you know what? It's not all about you. Like, just because it hurts your feelings, it might make somebody else laugh who has a different perspective. So you, not only your, – your own sensitivity is taking away from the humor and joy that that other person is getting. That's just so narcissistic to think that your feelings trump everything else. And it's like, you know what? You need to take life less seriously, all you people that get offended about every stupid little effing joke. Like, you know what? There's like five billion people in this world – that make less money per day than the than people that live in Mexico. Like that's how broke the world is. 
People die every day. You're going to live 80 years and you're going to die of some horrible disease. Could you stop taking life so seriously? Could you let the rest of us enjoy our time while we're here? If we think something's funny, get off our effing backs about it, okay? Jesus, it makes me so mad. This whole crusade <laughs> against humor, it just infuriates me. Comedians are quitting left and right. Jerry Seinfeld said he would never come back. Like, there's all these people who are like, I would never do this again. People have ruined it. It's like comedy is ruined. Comedy is like my favorite thing. So, yeah, it pisses me off. I hate all of you that, like, crusade against humor. I think you're like the wretches of society. It's just like, get a fucking life. <laughs> uh, that's my rant. I'll bring some perspectives to this, I feel like. Uh, not perspective, like, in, like, a, like a, against you or anything. I feel like what happens now is that there's this mob mentality of, because of social media. Like, you have all these social media outlets where you can, you can voice your, your opinion about something, and if it offends someone, then it can, with the mom mentality, like, people will be like, oh, yeah, that does, that really does piss me off. I'm going to share it on Facebook. And so once you start getting this, you know, this mob of all these like-minded people, they all of a sudden become like, you know, this is, that's the group that you're trying to, that they're representing of. And so, like, once you, once you have, like, you know, 100,000 people that have shared it, watched the video, then all of a sudden, like, all of a sudden, you know, someone needs to apologize or someone needs, or a show needs to get canceled or whatever, whatever, whatever you want to do. In latest example is of, uh, you know, the, the United flight. Um, everyone has cell phones now. Everyone can, like, you know, everyone can, you know, post stuff and then it, it gets 14 million views and, you know, all of a sudden it's, like, the biggest deal in the world, you know. Like, I'm not going to, like, make yeah. it of but I won't make light of what happened in the United States, but like that's just like an example of like. No, I get I get what you're saying. It's like a good example of some. And, and you know, my same point applies to that. Like five billion people are pretty much below the poverty line in the world. People die of horrible, horrible diseases like ALS, you know, Alzheimer's, things like that every day. You know what? This jerk airline overbooked a flight and completely botched it. You're right. They should be held accountable for their overbooking practices and that like you know, frat boy cop that came in and used way too much force, he he should be reviewed as well. But then, like, move on with your life. Like, that's what happened. You know what I mean? Like, they should be held accountable for booking and that one cop. Dude, what does that sound? Um, uh, they're doing construction in my office. <laughs> go, right. go ahead. Do it. Do it. All right. Well, anyway. All I'm saying is that kind of engine. <laughs> yeah, people need to move on. Anyway, and so we're going to move on. All right, I'm over it. We're moving on. This was a great show. We hope you enjoyed Marriage Show. Please like us, comment, share on social media. We really appreciate you. you can email the show at Super 90s Brothers. Next week, we're going to be doing Brennan, one of Brennan's favorite kids' movies. Tell us about it, Brennan. Uh, we're going to stay in, in Chicago, Land. We're going to, and since it's baseball season, we're going to talk about one of the, you know, probably the greatest 90s baseball movies. Uh, there is, and that's uh, Rookie of the Year. And uh, Oh! And so, yeah. I, it's a great show. And so, like, and that's it. <laughs> it's a great Garden show. Hoser. It's a, it's, Ruling <laughs> Fruta. Is it? Hosenbagger. I hate when people call shows. I hate when people call movies shows. You know, I, I always hate when people say that, and I just did it. Well, I'll forgive you. I'm going to get over it. Like, all the people should get over, like, other people's senses of humor. Anyway, for Brennan Pointer, I am Adam J. Pitzler. This has been another fun edition of Super 90s Brothers. Share us on social media. We will talk to you guys later. 
Thank you, you guys. Peace. Peace.